0: So usually, how I like to start these conversations is is about the journey and, and about how individuals, you know, really discover something that they want to work on, right? I think when I talk to people, they're you know they're building brands or companies or or they're working towards a cause and the issue that they care about, and they're going to spend a lot of time on it, right? A lot of years yeah. of their life, a lot of money, a lot of <laughs> a lot, a lot of hurdles. Um, so I always think it's interesting to to get a little bit of a snapshot of the journey before before we get to that point. So I guess just give us a little bit of a snapshot of your career and what got you interested in, in doing pop Culture.
1: You know, I started out uh, at a young age in the bar industry. I was bartending and uh, worked in craft beer for a little bit back in the early 2000s. And I finished college uh, in a university in, in Canada near Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2002. And my specialty was uh, entrepreneurship and specifically the beverage industry. So at a young age, I knew I wanted to be in the business of beverages. And, uh, you know, when you're early 20s guy, you want to like be out there, be social, meet girls, have a good time. Uh, It's a good industry to be in. And I enjoyed, you know, flair bartending. I enjoyed educating people. I enjoyed putting on a show and socializing and showing people a good time. So to me, alcoholic beverages have always represented fun. You know, like a smile on people's faces, chatter, you know, people having a good time, dancing, whatever. I always loved that environment. And uh, through my twenties, you know, I, I definitely was still into that scene, but was gravitating toward fitness. That was my other passion, and yep. uh, I got specifically into opening health clubs and gyms across Canada, and also developing equipment and bringing products to market. So I really enjoyed uh, product development, distribution, sales, you know, operations, running a business, uh, but also specifically fitness and beverages. Those are my two things that I loved and and felt like I did really well. And they're company. they're usually on
0: the opposite side of the spectrum right they don't go yeah. hand in hand very much
1: <laughs> well it's interesting you know most people that drink also of course work out and yeah try to eat well and live their life the right way right and, and in the fitness world, you know, I go to all these conferences where I would be speaking at uh, different events and, you know, meeting a lot of people and socializing with personal trainers and educators in the fitness world. And they would always want to go out the night of a conference and right. everyone would be drinking and they're all drinking vodka and water and gin and tonic and things that were very simple and no sugar if they could, yeah. maybe white wine. And, and I just thought, well, you guys are out here having fun and you want to have a good time and have a drink, but you're looking at like a vodka water as your go-to, right? Yep. I yep. thought, how boring, why not just do shots of vodka then? And, you know, if you're just looking to get drunk, that's the only reason for drinking, like, then, you know, that seems wrong to me. It should be, it should be about more than that. You know, yeah. it should be yeah. choosing a well-made beverage, something that you can enjoy and sip on and really contemplate right. and yep. discover, you know, why did it take so long to make and you know, yeah. was the maker, and why is this such a special beverage? I, really I kind of like stuff. how wine has, right? Wine
0: kind of has yeah. that, that market and that feel to it.
1: Yeah, I think the terroir that they speak of in wine talks about a sense of place where the grapes were grown, mm-hmm. you know, barrel aging, and a specific winemaker, and what they're known for. There's a lot of story built around a glass of wine, right? and they've been doing that with craft beer now as well Um, for years craft beer has become very nuanced like that Um, i think with spirits um, they can be heavily nuanced as well if they're barrel aged and you know single malt Mm -hmm. scotch from scotland or certain, certain bourbons from from kentucky i mean they have a long story behind them as well but i think that people in america and in canada as well where i'm from really identify with what they drink You know, and I think the personal trainers I'm talking about that I was with in the fitness industry, they love nothing more than to order a vodka and water because it showed that, hey, I get down, I like to drink, you know, but I do it the right way. And I want to keep my six pack because I'm fit, Mm -hmm. you know, so they like to tell a story about themselves just purely by the drink that they order, you know, right. You know, so it's interesting, like even as a young guy in my 20s, I was always getting rounds of drinks from my buddies. And before anyone else could jump to it, I'd get to the bar, get them around because I could hide my glass of cider in the middle of the tray and put all the put all the lagers around it and go back to the table. Hey, boys, got a round of beers for you guys, you know, and I would pull my cider out of the middle and no one knew it was a cider because it looked like a lager. Yeah. Yeah. But I was drinking cider back then because I thought I'm doing something better for my body there. You know, there's no gluten. Uh, yeah. Gluten was the focus back then you know this is like late 2000s mid 2000s a lot of people were talking about gluten 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 right yep. now it's much more focused on sugar and you know and maybe putting good stuff functional ingredients in your products right yeah. So. Back then, you know, it meant a lot to, to be drinking a gluten-free beverage. And I, I started thinking about healthy alcoholic beverages back then, even just being at these conferences. Yeah. And I would, I would ask around what these people were drinking and why they were choosing that. And I was curious because I was a bartender in the past and loved beverages, but I was also curious as a health and wellness uh, person, I just thought, you know, maybe someday we can come up with something that's healthful that gives to people while they consume something that's alcoholic, right? started digging deeper over the years and then eventually fell in love, moved down to LA from Canada and coming down here to, to be with my wife. I didn't know anybody had no network. And I thought this is an opportunity to be really uncomfortable and and have no (laughs) network and start from scratch. And I knew I would grow tremendously from that. So my focus was to choose something totally new and different and something that maybe was on the fringe that I could bring to the center, to the core. Yeah. And, and the idea back then was to make the world's healthiest alcoholic beverage. So that has evolved, but that still is the core of our mission. But now we sort of view the, the mission as we make fermented beverages that just happen to be the healthiest adult beverage on the planet. You know, so our intention is never to make an alcoholic beverage. That's not the hmm. goal. You yeah. make a fermented beverage and alcohol comes from, of course, fermentation. That's the only place you get it. Right. Mm hmm. But that's the one of the many outcomes that people know as it relates to fermentation. So I just thought it was kind of interesting as we sort of figured out our our path here and evolved as a company, we started to learn that there's all these other things going on with fermentation that make you feel a certain way and are good for your body. But alcohol is just one of the outcomes and all the other outcomes that we know of, nobody really knows, you know? So now we've trademarked the, the term full spectrum, Yeah, full spectrum in the alcoholic beverage realm is unique to us and to our brands. Uh, the reason we think that's important is because people now understand the meaning of full spectrum sometimes with cannabis or maybe another product yep. of some kind. Yep. So yep. what it means is that you're getting the full spectrum of what you would find in nature. You know, it's the way that nature intended. So if a a piece of fruit fell off a tree, landed on the ground, and created a little puddle of juice around it, it would sit there and ferment with the natural uh, ambient yeast and bacteria that are in the forest or in the jungle, wherever it was. And then if uh, an animal came along and slurped that up with their tongue, they would get drunk off that, right? Wow, yeah. So that's something that just happens to be alcoholic, and Mother Nature made it all by herself. There was no intervention by humans, right? Right. So I thought, wouldn't that then be the healthiest alcoholic beverage on the planet, (laughs) you know? The way that nature intended. So I, I searched all over the world, actually, looking for the cultures that I thought would be the healthiest uh, uh, surrounding the, the idea of alcoholic beverages. You know, the healthiest in the way they consume them, the healthiest in the way that they approach making the beverages. Um, and I found it in northern Spain. Interesting. So I actually traveled over there in 2014 with my dad, and we spent some time meeting the different makers and experiencing the culture. And they drink every day, Monday to Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. during their siesta. And uh, they basically consume food and drink with family and friends and enjoy the Mm -hmm. best part of the day, which is the middle part of the day. And then they go back to work at 3pm. And, <laughs> and if they don't, that's fine, too. Right. But if they go back at 3pm, they work to 8pm, they feel great. They're not hungover. They're not complaining because they can't drink anymore. They're not looking to get drunk. Right, right. Um, just enjoying the best parts of the day doing the things they love. And I was really blown away by this European sort of experience that surrounded alcoholic beverage consumption. And I thought it's so twisted here in America, where we yeah. typically only drink to get drunk. Yeah. You know. And and to me, that's not really by design what these beverages are supposed to do. Um, They're supposed to give your palate something exciting that you can sit there with and sip on and think, wow, this is incredible. The flavor, the depth of complexity and the layers of flavors that are going on here. I mean, those would only come from something that takes three, four months to make, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you make something in three minutes, you can probably taste the intention in the first sip and then you'll never get anything beyond that right <laughs> but something takes 3 months to make you can taste and then taste again and keep tasting for probably 30 minutes and always be getting a different experience
0: 100% i mean the one i'm drinking right now has grapefruit goji is it go- goji goji, goji yeah, berry goji dandelion milk thistle and is it reishi
1: reishi yeah Rishi. yeah mushrooms yeah so- Super mushrooms, uh, the blend, I'll tell you, for for pulp culture that you're drinking there, the blend and formulations that we come up with are always based on two super fruits, two super foods, and one Mm. super mushroom. So the one super mushroom, the reishi or the lion's mane that we work with, uh, those are going to be uh, nootropic and also uh, botanical adaptogens. So the botanical adaptogens help you to deal with stress, right? And the main function of a beverage, specifically one that contains alcohol, shouldn't be to get drunk. It should be that it kills your stress and and allows you to kind of ease off and relax a little bit, right? Right. So when you first crack into a can of something that you know is alcoholic, it's amazing the rush that you get in your your brain. Uh, And I'm sure there's serotonin and other chemicals being released when you do this. When you crack that can and you hear that, it's like an instant signal to your body that, oh, so it's okay for a sec. Okay, cool. Like we're good. (laughs) You know, like you get onto an airplane, they offer you a drink. Why? Because they want you to just shut up and sit there. Yeah, and complain, right. 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 And if you uh, back in the day, we getting a medical procedure done at home. The doctor would always come by with something alcoholic to give you a shot of something. And then you would dig in and do surgery. Right. You know, and there are many situations in life where we have a drink first. I don't know if you've ever emceed a wedding before by chance. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I certainly have. And that's typically a small group of people in life that have done that. Right. Uh, but when you're, when you're the guy that people elect to emcee to a wedding, it's usually because they think you're outgoing, you speak well in front of a crowd, you, you got balls of steel, right? Uh, excuse my French, but they think uh, that you're no guy that can get up there and get it done. And, and typically you are, but of course, even if you're outgoing and you don't mind presenting on stage, you still have nerves, right? Of course. And, and typically if you're at a wedding, people are drinking and having a good time. So what do you do? You have a couple shots of tequila. And then you go out there and tell a few jokes, you know, mm-hmm. You say yeah. a few, nice, few, few niceties about the bride and groom. You say yeah. a few nice things about the parents and then you crack a few jokes and really start digging into the roast and you start roasting mm-hmm. the, the bride or groom, right? <laughs> and you know, a couple of shots of tequila help you do that, right? So alcoholic beverages can be highly functional, by the way. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would argue that uh, as much as I say people are just looking to get drunk, there actually is an underlying function there and it's, it's usually escapism right mm. a lot of people don't like their life and the life that the world they're living in right now the stresses they're dealing with so they take a few drinks and hope that that's going to wash it all away right
0: or, or even confidence too like you were just saying with the the mc thing i mean there's there's sort of this like anything overconsumption of anything is going yeah. to be have negative effects right we've just as our society we that's kind of what we you know market to it's 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 weird that like cigarettes have been kind of banned from mic like, marketing right but like Kind of like alcohol and like more and more and more alcohol. I mean, it's not, what nothing but alcohol ads. Like if you watch football games or any sports games, really, right? There's there hasn't been this sort of you know balance between that. Like alcohol is is like you said, it, it it's not something that is just intended to be drunk. There can be so much more functionality to it, right? That's why I was sort of drawn toward this because I was, I've always been looking for something. I was like, we can have all these. These uh, these botanicals and these vitamins and all these other sort of liquids and beverages. Why why can't we do that with right. with alcohol with a glass of wine or or a glass of vodka or beer even right? Like there has to be a way to to embrace alcohol in a way sure. that just we haven't been done before.
1: Well, you know what I I don't think you'll ever find a way to embrace something like cocaine as an example. Right. right. Sure. Um, this is another vice industry we can talk about is just drugs, because in, in America, yeah. alcohol is revered as a drug and it's a legal drug. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but if you look at say something like cocaine, that just comes from a plant called the coca plant. Right? Yeah. And the coca leaf is something that you chew on and you get a little bit of buzz off of it and you suck a lemon after you get a little buzz in your lips and your kind of lips go numb. And, you know, uh, people of all ages and, and all walks of life do this in Colombia, you know, yeah. Yeah. And they sit on the street doing it all day long. It's very social and yeah. never od on that they never overdo it right right but they're consuming it naturally from the leaf of the plant it's very different from you know creating uh, this mm. process in the middle of the jungle somewhere with drug cartels where you're adding diesel fuel and processing right. stuff and isolating the one thing you think people want to snort up their nose which gets you high right right and then you know that's a quick way to mess up your entire life is doing that um, of course. but you know if you look at the way that mother nature intended if we had just not messed with it and as human beings mm. stuff getting in the way then you know we would experience a lot of things in life that are incredibly beneficial if we just opened up to the nature of things that that goes for ayahuasca, you know peyote, I mean us any psychedelic you can think of that Mother Nature gave us you yep. use it the right way, it can it can be a medicine, you know yep. these are the things that can truly help us and i I think alcohol is in the same vein where we discovered that alcohol was a thing. we figured out how to isolate it and make it and distill it as they say. Mm-hmm. And distillation is the worst process to me because all you're pulling out is the one thing that you think consumers want, which is to get mm-hmm. drunk, right? And then you give, you give them just the alcohol. That's no different than the rubbing alcohol you rub on a wound, you know, or, you know, the, the, the neutral spirits that maybe they use to make gasoline, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like these are things that we use for all sorts of purposes, of course, because, you know, you're get you're getting something from nature that helps you to, to provide a specific function whether it be for a manufacturing process or a medical process, whatever it may be. But when we talk about consuming beverage alcohol, right, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is different than all other alcohol, okay, beverage alcohol was given to us by nature. And why do we have to come up with brewing or distillation or any of these unnatural processes to enjoy alcohol when we could just cold press juice, take fruit and press it into juice and let it sit there for three months and mother nature would make it for us.
0: So that's a good, it's a great segue Cause that's, Kind of what i wanted to ask about was sort of the the process and and how it's sort of you know different and and how it's innovative is the wrong word because it just seems like it's the right way to do it right it's 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 like you said it's just kind of how it was
1: intended right so sometimes you can innovate in a backward fashion
0: mm, great point yeah and
1: and i think that's really where we stand to gain here and, and where we help consumers the most is you know, we our trend that we're creating here is is what's new or what's old has become new again. You know, and mm-hmm. we're bringing people back to the basics. And and literally, uh, as a business owner, when I started this company, I was so excited about one key thing. Believe me, I'm not a lazy person. I work my tail off, but I loved any sort of opportunity to be lazy when starting a company, when you don't have to innovate uh, or yeah. add a or become technically advanced or hire people that have a specific a specific function or specialization. Um, and when I was in Spain talking to these cider makers, I'd ask every one of them, how do they make their product? And they would always kind of smirk and laugh at me at first and say, Mark, you don't make the sidra. The sidra makes itself. And the, the sidra is the cider that they make in Northern Spain. Okay. And what they meant was that when they press apples into juice and they let the juice sit there for three months in a big vat, it ferments itself. And when it's done, they just pump it into a bottle and take it to the bar like that's literally it there is we don't use any water in our process we don't use any electricity for creating heat to brew anything uh, we don't use any chemicals there's no sulfites there's no sterilization of any kind there's no pasteurization uh, we don't filter anything and it, we just leave it as you find it in nature so all we so are fermentation
0: really- just happens over time yeah, in Naturally fact,
1: there's a term for that so it's called spontaneous fermentation okay Okay. And I love the word spontaneous, by the way, when things are spontaneous, they're the most helpful, the most happy, just the most fun, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that when we make a product that's spontaneous by nature, it becomes whatever it wants to become. So when people want to say, Oh my God, I love this, Mark, you made such a great product. I'm like, well, I didn't really make it, you know? And they're like, what do you mean? That's your company. Like mother nature made it all I'm doing was giving it to you because you didn't know where to find it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if anything, I'm like a a concierge of sorts or a a liaison between yourself and the natural experience. And the way that I think I can help the industry and the category of alcoholic beverages is to introduce the thing that should have been first that we all forgot. 200 years ago in this country, most people, if they were drinking an alcoholic beverage, do you have any idea what that might have been?
0: Mm, Moonshine.
1: Cider ah and the cider that they were drinking was just like what we make it's just apples that were pressed into juice and left to ferment by their own devices for about three months and then they would drink it and it was loaded with probiotics it was low alcohol It was around six and a half seven percent alcohol and it was something that you know the founding fathers of this country would drink a tankard of this stuff every morning for breakfast and then go to work you know you know because it was safer than the water right the, the, the fermentation process does kill off any of the things that can hurt you gotcha. but okay, and all the good bacteria. So 6 billion CFUs of, uh, and that's colony forming units. That's the measure of bacteria that might be probiotic or good for your gut. Okay. There are 6 billion CFUs of, of that healthy gut bacteria in every can that you're consuming of our product, where kombucha, a whole category is built around the idea of it being gut healthy and probiotic. Mm-hmm. There are actually about 1 billion CFUs or less per container. Wow we are six billion. So we are far more probiotic, far more healthy, and also no sugar. Um, and also we don't have to force our process and make it the way that you make kombucha. You know, Kombucha is basically water with this SCOBY, the symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast that are added to the water, and then they feed it with sugar, right? So they use cane sugar or even simple white sugar and just feed the product, feed the liquid that way. And they allow the, the product to ferment And that gives you, of course, alcohol and healthy bacteria and the probiotics and whatnot. Um, But with us, we don't have to do any of that. We basically just press fruit into juice and let it sit there for three months. That's it. So if I said to you, go to your your kitchen and make juice right now with your juicer, and then just leave it on the counter for three months, and you'll have exactly what you're consuming in that can right now, it would almost be too good to be true. You wouldn't believe me, right? Right. I don't. I don't. That's actually (laughs) what it is.
0: So you're saying not just apples, but orange, pears, any any fruit you're saying? It does any, it has the same fruit, process?
1: Any fruit will ferment because what happens with fruit is you have a product that now can be pressed into juice that will contain sugar as well as a variety of other characteristics that make that fruit taste the way that it tastes. Uh, but the sugar and then the ambient yeast that are just in the atmosphere and on the mm-hmm. skin of the fruit, that's what actually eats the sugar. You know, the yeast that's already there, present everywhere we look, I mean, by my pool right now in in the room that you're in right now there are many millions and billions of bacteria and yeast just floating around in the atmosphere right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you leave something containing sugar sitting on the countertop in that room mark my words three months later it will be fermented huh that's unbelievable (laughs) this is a natural gift from mother nature you know this is something that we can all do at home and in fact as kids we we used to go to the, the, the orchards in our area. I grew up in apple country, north of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we used to go to the orchards and get the fresh pressed apple juice, right? Which for some odd reason, and I can get into it on a very long tangent, here in America, we call that cider, but it's sweet cider, right? Right, okay. But it's actually just apple juice. So for anyone that calls it sweet cider, sorry to burst your bubble, it's not. there's no, there's no such thing as sweet cider. Um, cider by definition is fermented apple juice. So it, it is alcoholic. It's, there's only one kind of cider that would be like saying there's hard wine and sweet wine and mm. sweet wine is grape juice, right? It's actually just apple juice and cider. There, there's only two different categories. There's no such thing as hard and sweet, but the the murky brown like looking substance that you're looking at when you see a fresh pressed apple juice, it's kind of intimidating at first because you know, it doesn't look like Minute made apple juice like you yeah. get on the airplane, right? So it hasn't been ultra high filtered to, to look like nothing more than, you know, golden water in the glass, right? And real apple juice is so much more um, rich and so much more full of character. It's just an incredible flavor, right? And when we were kids, we would drink that. But then you might leave half the container in the back of the fridge and go back Mm -hmm. to it, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. a few months later. And you would find this jug, this gallon jug, a bloated jug with pressure on it, by the way. Sure. And and you pull it out of the fridge. And as soon as you crack the cap, it would go. And as soon as you heard that as a kid, you're like, mom, the the juice went bad. (laughs) Yeah. and you dump it down the drain when oh no it just became it good it just became yeah. good actually got it buddy so that's the, the the fun thing that i talk about all the time is what you just said where people would say to me initially when i started this company all you're going to do is ferment apple juice and just leave it there for three months and just let it sit and then put it in a bottle and i'm like yeah that's exactly what i want to do and then winemakers would say to me what if it goes bad right and my response became what if it goes good yeah, and It was actually a question that I was posing to them. What mm. if this had naturally fresh pressed juice, even if it was from grapes, and you let it sit there for three months and ferment fully to finish? Well, what if it went good? And my question to them was, uh, I, I already had the answer to it, and I would give that to them. Yeah. the answer is, is you would never even do that in the first place. So you would never know if it could go good because what they do in the wine industry is typically press the grape juice and then they sterilize that juice, right? Okay. They'll pasteurize it or add sulfites to kill the juice so that they can pitch their own predictable yeast strain so that it will deliver to them a predictable outcome. So from one vintage to the next with their wine, they can more or less predict how it's going to taste because they work with the same yeast strain. They filtered it and used a long list of up to 80 different chemicals in their process to make it look pretty and smell nice and taste great and be the wine that you know you expect uh, when you come to me, right? Gotcha. Now, me as your winemaker, this is what I need to be giving to you because that's what you've had for me before, right? Yeah. And I just have zero interest in a product that's made like that. For me, I want to consume something the way that nature intended because I know that I can't even explain uh, on most days who I am as a person. I'm just trying to figure myself out, right? right, right, so right, right. The least I can do to, is stick to my roots and just follow nature and have nature guide me, right? So there are things here on this planet and processes and sciences that exist that surround us everywhere that we should just truthfully believe in and go with the flow because there's a reason they're there. There's a reason that they were made or put in place the way that they were.
0: It's tough because it's like, you're kind of giving your recipe away, right? And it's like, do you foresee, you know, other companies doing it? Or do you think it's too risky for them? Because like you said, they're trying to like just wine, for example, like you said, they're trying to just have this, same taste every time in the same bottle. So they can't duplicate what what you've done, right? Because they have this sort of risk profile that they can't deviate from. And is that the same with obviously beer too, is, is sort of similar?
1: Yeah, I would say this, that, you know, anyone, literally anyone on the planet could make what we make. Yeah. But no one for thousands of years has ever done it. So I'm reassured by the fact that hopefully we're creating a a pathway here that other people will come along and we will grow a category with other brands that do come to the table and want to do what we do. Right. We're happy to lead the way and lead the charge. And as it relates to the sort of threat from a commercialized perspective, as far as, you know, someone taking away our dollars in our pocket, um, I'm not concerned about that. I think when more people come to the table, it's a big tent mentality and you grow a category that becomes much larger and more respectable and legitimate. And then people start to find the way because there's many more brands available. It's not just these guys,
0: you know? Yeah. And you see it kind of with the rise of non-alcoholic beverages, right? There's sort of yeah. this revolution of, of non-alcoholic beers, non-alcoholic like cocktails and all, you know, uh, uh, just yeah. a, a, it's a big sort of like network of people that, you know, their relationship with alcohol has been negative, right? Which for a lot of people it is, you know, I mean, it's, it it, because I think it's, it hasn't been responsibly like taught, like how to to intake it like properly, right? And like in a way where it doesn't have the negative adverse effects that it really isn't intended to, right? But overconsumption of anything, right, is is gonna be negative.
1: Well, that's the unfortunate piece to this is that, you know, alcohol gets a bad rep, right? Yep. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, and I do believe this firmly, by the way, that we do have a drinking problem in America, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, But whose fault is it? And yeah. To me, the culprit is not alcohol. Yep. Yeah, we have a drinking problem, but that's because of our own behavior, mm-hmm. right? So alcohol, like many other substances, is you know maybe could be overconsumed and not be a great thing, but it's kind of up to you to monitor that, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, so. just personal. Like again, like anything, if you, yeah. you know, go out and eat McDonald's every day, or or eat you know whatever ice cream, you know, three times a day, and and yeah. sit on the couch, like anything, and and you know, just overconsumption is going to be negative, right?
1: You need to be mindful as consumers and and really pay attention, number one, to the product you pick up off the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, first of all, why would you pick that product up? You know, what, what is it about that product that excites you or, or piques your interest, right? And for me, you know, I'm really into products that are, you know, they look like they're healthful, like they might do something good for me. And like, I, you know, maybe it's local, or it can connect with the the um, sort of intention behind the product.
0: Usually, I like to to end a little bit on the future, you know, and 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 kind yeah. of talk about, you know, I think we're, we're talking about a new sector here, right? I think it's to me, I'm very, very, very happy about it, and like very excited of of the potential, right? Of of you know those, the I, I'm motivated by those 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 people in Spain where they, you know, they're having a good time from 11 to 3, but they could still get stuff done, right? They're still able to to do their work, right? There's they're not hung over. they it, it is much different relationship that they have. You know, it's a much more it's like a relationship with food, right? Like when you, you have this family oriented like meal. I think the same can be done with, with alcohol, right? But done, you know, responsibly in a way through products like this, right? Or or even as we go further and and, and as you grow as a company and mature, like you're going to find different ways to make it better. Right. Just like how others will will probably come in and, and try to do something to, to make it better too. So I think consumers will definitely win in all this, right. It's just, how do we, how do we get, get that message out more where, you know, it's, it's not drinking a 12 pack or a 24 pack or, you know, seven shots of, of tequila. Right. Like that is not the relationship with alcohol that, is positive, right? We need to kind of sure. change the, the landscape.
1: Well, you have to change the intention.
0: Mm, right? Love it. Greatest word of all time. Yeah. Intention,
1: so, and, and intention really is everything, right? Yeah. So, you know, if your intention is to get drunk, then sure. there, are, there are many ways for you to go. Of and course. Do that, right? yep. yep. If your intention is to, um, to do something good for your, your body and to, to do something nice for yourself, it's a gift to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Almost in the way where you feel like you've earned it when you get to crack into that can and have a drink. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's the guilt maybe perhaps that you feel when you're drinking at 9 a.m. like I do when you're sitting at the the taproom bar down at my facility here in L.A. You know, my own team will will walk in and see me sitting at the bar having a drink and it's 9 a.m. Right. Yeah. And At first, that might have seemed a little bit odd. Like, why is Mark sitting there drinking at 9 a.m.? Is he OK? You know, and and now people actually look at me and see that and they're jealous. They're like, wait a minute. How come he gets to sit there and have a drink at nine a.m.? I want to be that guy right, because can see that I'm actually just getting into my workflow. Right. I'm being creative. I'm not identifying with the stress that I might normally identify with. Right. Yep. Sometimes with stress, we don't need to necessarily kill it as much as we just need to distract it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if we can distract ourselves away from our stress, then essentially we have killed the stress because we no longer identify with it. Right. Yeah. So cracking into that can and knowing that you're even getting a bit of placebo effect in a sense because your brain's thinking oh we're drinking something that's adult friendly it's 21 and over it's a fermented beverage that does Mm -hmm. have alcohol so Mm -hmm. this is something that's already a little bit exclusive where i can't give this to my son because he's sure right this is something (laughs) just for dad right yeah (laughs) just for dad yeah. And I think as parents, as adults, you know, we start to take on a lot of responsibility, right? We're all working hard. We have things to worry about. Uh, and usually as we get older, we have many more things to worry about in life that actually aren't our own things. They're, they're things for somebody else, right? We yeah. Yeah. have all this responsibility and this weight that kind of, you know, is resting upon our shoulders at all times. And it can really grow and build to the point where it feels like it's crushing you. And the times in which you get to step away and crack into a can and have a drink of something, or pour yourself a glass of wine, but you know, maybe go for a massage. Um, whatever these things are that are signals to you, to your brain at first, but then a signal to your body that, hey, it's going to be okay, we're going to take a second and just give to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is you're nourishing your soul. I mean, this is a really restorative uh, action or practice to work through. You want to return to that practice, almost like they say in meditation or in yoga, you want to, you know, return to your practice on a daily basis. Whatever your practice is that brings you back to center, whether it's breath work or meditation, or even just finding your creative place to do, you know, creative stuff uh, one day a week where you sit there and read or focus on a project that takes your mind off everything, uh, or if it's a hike for an hour every morning, we have many ways to step aside from our stress, right? To me, if I can crack into a can of this stuff, it kills my stress to the point where I don't mind at 9 a.m. being at work and digging right into my Monday morning with a big glowing smile on my yeah. face. And everyone yeah. around me is pissed off. you are like, why is this guy so happy and confident a <laughs> Monday morning, right? And I'll literally have like three or four of these on my Monday and then leave at the end of the day and go home to my kids and have a great time at dinner and put them to bed. And I don't feel the need to have any drinks in the evening at all. Yeah,
0: right, right. My
1: goal, my goal is to drink when the sun is shining. Day that I'm being productive and getting after it and really conquering my day, that's the time of day that I enjoy a beverage. Right it's that time, I'm at home with my kids. When the sun goes down, I go down. I go to bed. I have a great sleep. I wake up first thing in the morning and I, I have a workout. I feel good, and uh, you know that's the the day to day for me. That's how I live my life.
0: So as we, as we look like three you know, five years down the line, like what are some of the goals and successes that, that you want to have? Is it, is it getting something like this? Cause I, we didn't even get to chat about the, the cider house and, and sort of, is this served there? Is it on tap there? Do you serve it in cans? Like, can we, yeah. can you distribute it to other bars across the country where there's a healthy, like I envision a healthy option, just like McDonald's has salads, right? Or right. there's a healthy, healthy option in all bars, which I think is such a positive step. Can it can it would it just be delivered in like in a can at a bar? Can you have it on tap? Like sure. Like how are you interacting with bars? We sell
1: to bars and restaurants. We sell predominantly to retail. So specifically places like Whole Foods is an example. Yep. Uh, Whole Foods Market is is really our number one customer. Um, you know, we've only been sold in California up until the end of last year. And then we just launched Pulp Culture this year. So previous to to this year, we only had 101 Cider House. That was our core brand. So 101 is based downtown LA, that's where the Cider House is, that's where everything's made. And then we launched this year, Pulp Culture as well, which you're drinking right now. Both of them are cold-pressed juice that's been fermented, that's it, right? But one identifies as a cider, one identifies as a cold-pressed juice that's been fermented. They're both probiotics, zero sugar, super healthy, and this, this term that we use called full spectrum identifies with both brands, okay? Nice. Now, 101's been sold, you know, widely across California, across more than a thousand accounts at places like Whole Foods for the last five years. And now it's really starting to pick up because the initial few years, we were kind of riding the coattails of craft beer, and people mm. were buying it because it was sour. They love things that are mm. sour, Right. right. Now they're buying it because it's the best for you thing on the, on the shelf. Now they're looking for that better for you experience. And this is the best of that. So they're now buying sour cider from 101 or they're buying pulp culture because they just want to uh, get into something really healthy and good for them, but not give up their drinking experience. They're looking to enjoy themselves and cut the stress and be social without having to pay the same tax that they're used to, which is typically the hangover and yep. maybe the headache while you are drinking, you know, not feeling all that good. Right. So, you know, we, we really are matching up now with the current trend. We're aligning ourselves with where consumers are already headed, but we're also a bit of a guiding light. We're kind of showing them the way, right? Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you already now drink something like White Claw. That yep. shows me that you're interested in the idea of drinking better, right? Whether it's better for you or not, I don't want to get into that because I right. also don't want to like speak to what's not good about other products. Sure, sure. Um, but the idea that you're choosing something that's clear and odorless and more or less tasteless, right? Is is something like a white claw or a seltzer? Uh, you're drinking that because it has no sugar, really. Yeah, uh, that's right. the main. That's the main sort of uh, value proposition. Now, when you start to look at your diet and the way that you eat foods, we we were in this movement years ago of diet and light and fat free, yep. sugar free, and all this stuff, right? And and that's really the 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 point in our diet where we're trying to cut out the bad, right? So. The, the exclusion diet, of far, so as far as cutting out, elimination diet rather, is is really the stage of which you're going from your worst to something that you can manage and be okay with. You're neutral, right? Yep. Once you get to your neutral and you're like, oh, I'm not as bad as I used to be. <laughs> oh, I lost like 60 pounds. I'm still not in good shape, but I, lo- I cut 60 pounds. Good for me. A little pat on my back, right? Once you get to that point and you feel like now you can take on your day and everything seems more manageable and achievable now, you now start to think, well, what would happen if I got a nicer pair of running shoes and what Hmm. would happen if I took my shirt off and, and went on out onto the beach and, you know, and and just kind of showed everyone what I was made of, you know, what would happen if I went to the gym and actually started lifting weights and getting really into into my fitness. And then when I look at their diet, they would think, well, what would happen if I cut coffee? Would I actually be able to make my own energy? What Hmm. would happen if I shifted to a plant-based diet and just didn't need to eat animal products anymore? Would I feel better? you know, and they start to explore and start to get to know things because you become more curious when you're reinforced by a little bit of success, right? Mm. Once you feel like you've actually done something good for yourself, you become motivated by that. And then you find yourself very quickly in this never ending pursuit of better. And when you're in the pursuit of better, you typically are moving into more of an incorporation strategy. So when you look at the diet, you move from this elimination diet to neutral, and then you go from neutral to the incorporation diet. And the incorporation diet is what can I eat and put in my body that might actually do something functional or good for me, right? Right. That's where we live. So if you're cutting out the sugar and you're drinking White Claw, great, that's a good start. Once you get to the neutral standpoint, we're like, hey, I'm kind of bored with that now. Now I'm looking to be excited again. And I want to drink something with depth and character and something that actually makes me feel really good. That's where we live. Now, now you're looking at the pathway that we live on, which is to do better for yourself. So drink better is our two-word tagline.
0: It's amazing. I, 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 I love everything about this. It, I, think it's, I think it really, I mean, obviously, look, you, you know better, you're, you're in the game, you see the metrics, but uh, I mean, I do see this as something that has tons of potential to disrupt an industry and hope to just, hopefully just disrupt the, the idea of, uh, of what your relationship with alcohol has to be right or 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 currently is i think there there can be a different relationship like like with any with anything right things can change right things can be different people like you come along and 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 have a totally different approach to to make things look a lot different and like you said i mean it's mother earth kind of gave it to you right so it's just how bad could it be how bad well how bad could it be And, and 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 how but like again it's not how bad could it be how good can it be though right if treated properly right if it the delivery system is is what you have created right or is something that is not marketed heavily to to sort of binge drinking right and an unhealthy aspect of it man congratulations on what you built and what you've done and uh best of luck the rest of this year and much success in the next you know 5 10 20 years i think it's going to be amazing
1: Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I appreciate your time and appreciate your curiosity and getting to know our process and our products. And there's a lot more education to be done. But now you're one of the uh, initial sort of supporters. And I hope you can spread the word on our behalf. And I appreciate that.
0: Absolutely, man.